Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to this podcast. It is good to be with you again as we draw closer and closer to the completion of our Lenten season and as we get ready to celebrate the joyous news of Easter. We are here on the Sunday before Easter, known as either Palm or Passion Sunday. And uh, so today we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, This is the story of Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem. And in the Gospel of Matthew, anyway, it's the very first time that Jesus uh, makes his appearance in this city. So this is from, again, the Gospel of Matthew. Hear these words. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt to put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. May it nourish us and strengthen us in our daily walk. And my apologies, you can tell this is always recorded from my home whenever my dog decides to make her presence known. So my apologies for her insertion into this podcast. So with smartphones these days, often one of the advantages or maybe disadvantages, depending how you look at it, is voice-activated texting or any kind of voice-activated message that you want to uh, engage in. And certainly for those who have iPhones, Siri is your operator or concierge, electronic concierge of choice. And sometimes it's great to have Siri there. Uh, so that I can ask Siri all kinds of different questions without actually having to type anything in. Sometimes Siri may be awfully frustrating, too. The other day, as I was uh, driving, and I always do my best to not uh, uh, interact with my smartphone while I drive, and so I needed to call uh, Anna Peterson, who is a, a person who goes to Urban Village. Now, on my contacts, her... Uh, maiden name is also part of that, and so when I but I couldn't remember what her middle or maiden name was, so I kept saying, "Hey Siri, text Anna Peterson," and Siri would search, and all it would find was another person whose last name is Peterson, Tim Peterson, no relation, and so it keeps saying, "Text Tim Peterson," and I would then say no, and then Siri would think that's what I wanted to text Tim Peterson was the word no, and so I would sit, get really frustrated, and I would start yelling at Siri, and I would at least three or four times in the most clear enunciation that I could, I would say, text Anna Peterson, and every time Siri would come back with text Tim Peterson, 
I don't know if I had to include her maiden name in that or what, but it got annoying, aggravating, much more than it should have. But it reminded me, when it comes to Siri, words matter. No matter what you say or how you say it, you have to make sure that you are doing your best to communicate it clearly. Otherwise, Siri will think that you mean something else. And many times I always want to say to Siri, what is the magic word? What is the thing that I need to say so that you will actually do complete the action that I want completed? Words matter. And words are always important. But certainly, as we reflect on this passage today... On Palm Sunday, words have particular meaning. So it's a day in the church when we read about and recognize Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. For those of us who know the whole story, of course, we are beginning this, what we call Holy Week in the Christian tradition. We know that this is the day that ushers in days of reflecting on the betrayal of Jesus' closest followers, also his crucifixion. Often, this day is filled with pomp and circumstance. Many churches, as will uh, Urban Village, will have palms, will hand out palms to people and will encourage people to wave them in the air, even though uh, in our text today it mentions branches. But we will be waving palms, and we will use a word that many will use around the world today, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna was really, in the first century, kind of like what depends on which religious scholar you read. One I was reading this week said it's really kind of like a religious hurrah. It doesn't necessarily have a specific meaning in the first century. Others say, well, actually, no, it was like a prayer, meaning God be with you or save us. But certainly it was being used here as a way of communicating joy, communicating gladness communicating triumph. Hosanna. This is the word they used. And it says in our text today that the crowds shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, I want to focus for a little bit on this whole notion of crowds. Crowds is almost like its own character in the Gospel of Matthew. These are people followers of Jesus en masse, and they peer from all around. Matthew conveys to us that sometimes the crowds listen to Jesus' teaching. The crowds are astounded at the authority that he has. The crowds see his capacity to heal the sick. The crowds are amazed when he casts out demons. The crowds wonder if he is the son of Israel. In Matthew 9.33, the crowds say, Never has anything like this been seen in Israel. The crowds are even fed with a few loaves of bread and fish. So the crowds, as we note here, are its own character. They convey and show a lot of different human emotions and responses. So we may see this crowds only as one entity. But as I thought about this passage in today's gospel reading, I was struck by something, and I thought about it, and I thought about as I imagined what it must have been like to see Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And I wondered, who started it? Now, by that I mean who started, who was the first person to use the word 
Hosanna. Because we may think that it would have been easy, like going to see the Cubs at their parade after winning the World Series, where it would be so easy to shout acclamations because everybody else was doing so. But this would not have been easy to be the first one to shout Hosanna. Again, this is, remember, this is a part, Jerusalem is part of the Holy Roman Empire. And the Romans do not take to others who are saying that they also are worthy of being called king or lord. There may have very well been Romans watching very closely, watching those who may have be even remotely saying that we worship another lord. Who knows what would have happened if somebody would have shouted out Hosanna to this one coming not on a stately horse, but instead coming on a donkey. So it took some courage in order to use this word, Hosanna. Somebody probably thought about it and used their words carefully. And then when they did so, others started to join in on this acclamation. As I've always been one to be a little bit hesitant to join in on a crowd and what a crowd does, there's a little part of me sometimes that's a little stubborn. But it's interesting. Have you ever been watching a performance of something like that and somebody starts to clap and it just begins to filter throughout the whole crowd? I'm particularly somewhat of a scrooge when it comes to standing ovations and that if I go to see a performance of any kind, I always feel like I want to, if I'm going to give a standing ovation, I want to really meet it. I really want to be moved. I really want to be the one to uh, to stand up with all of, uh, authentically stand up. But what happens is sometimes when I go to see a performance, somebody certainly is moved by this performance. And so they will shout hurrah, or they will stand up. And then you probably notice something happens. Then others will stand up too. And others will start shouting acclamation too. I have no idea if they really mean it or not, but it is somewhat of a contagion that others are joining in. And then I will, of course, kind of grudgingly stand up like, all right, I'll be part of this crowd too. All it takes is one person to be moved in such a way, and they're the ones who start it. And it always takes a little bit of courage, particularly in this circumstance, here in this gospel. Somebody had to have the courage to shout, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They remember perhaps all of the things that Jesus had done for them, and so they may have known that there would be some payback, some, some uh, others who would respond negatively to what they were doing by shouting Hosanna, but they didn't care. Somebody, one person, had to be first and shouted out, and then others joined in. Now, an interesting thing here, too, as we look at the crowds and the words that they use at the beginning of the week, we pay attention to this because those words will change as we move through this week. And as we know the story, as we get closer and closer this Thursday, we will 
commemorate Maundy Thursday, the time when Jesus gathered with his disciples for his last meal. And then on Friday, we will gather together in worship to remember Jesus' crucifixion. And it is on that day where we will see a different response from the crowd. As this week goes on, we see that Jesus cleanses the temple, turns over the tables in the temple. We see that he's challenging. He's, he's giving challenging parables about judgment. He's denouncing religious authorities. He laments over Jerusalem. He scandalizes by letting a woman anoint him. All of this is during his final week. He deeply grieves and cries out to God in prayer until we get to a point where Jesus is brought before Pilate, the governor, at the festival for Passover. There was a tradition, of course, of Pilate releasing a prisoner to the crowd. And here they have a choice. Pilate says to them, should I release Jesus or Barabbas, a known criminal? And I think Pilate assumed that the crowd would choose that they would release Jesus because in Pilate's mind, he had done nothing wrong. Now let me read Matthew 27, 20 through 23. And notice what the crowds say this time. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. And he asked, What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. In just a matter of days, what they say changes dramatically from Hosanna to let him be crucified. There was the one who showed the courage to be the first to shout that out. And now we don't know why or who was the first to utter the desire for him to be crucified. Maybe it was the religious authorities who were trying to get the crowd to go against Jesus. We don't know. But someone shouted it out in that same way. Someone had a decision to make. So what does all this have to do with us today? How will we use our own voices? What words will we use? Will we speak up in praise and thanksgiving to the one whose kingdom is against an empire of weapons, violence, unmitigated power? Or will it be a voice that just goes along with the crowds, that just does what everybody else does? What will your voice convey? And will you have the courage to convey it when it may bring criticism? It may bring scorn. I heard two voices in this past week that gives me hope. One was one happened on Thursday. I was up on the north side of the city and I was meeting with our site pastor in Edgewater, uh, Brittany Isaac, and we were chatting. And then Jarrell Wilson, who was our church planting resident, also joined in on the conversation. And we were at a coffee shop called True North. And as we were chatting, uh, I noticed that people were beginning to set some tables aside and people were gathering and they were setting out some goodies and 
And then more people came until the point where it got there were about 20, 25 people all gathered around. So this was more than your normal kind of coffee shop gathering. And I was kind of wondering why is maybe some kind of neighborhood group or something. And then I noticed some people had stickers on their shirts. And then it finally dawned on me when I saw somebody enter the room. It was J.B. Pritzker. For those who don't know who J.B. Pritzker is, he just announced this week that he is going to be running for governor of Illinois. In fact, Thursday was the day that he announced that he was running. Thursday afternoon was when he made his official announcement. Thursday morning is when he gathered with this group on the north side of the city to take questions and to listen to their concerns and to just begin campaigning. And so it was, uh, as we were gathered there, I was kind of listening in, but there's always a part of me that just assumes, well, this is a, a, a private gathering of sorts. These are people who are gathered for a particular reason, and people would go around and announce who they were and what they were doing and what concerned them. And so he was listening to them and sometimes addressing them. And then out of nowhere, I heard a voice saying, I don't mean to interrupt. And I looked over, and I knew that voice. It was Jarrell. For those of you who know Jarrell, you know that he is not afraid to voice his opinion, even though this was conceivably for a particular kind of group who was there to meet with J.B. Pritzker. Jarrell, as a citizen, wanted to also make his voice heard. So he, in a sense, interrupted the proceeding. He was very kind about it, but he asked a question, a very pointed question. They were talking about the legalization of marijuana. That was one of the issues. And Jarrell asked about, well, what about those who have these convictions on their records that make it very hard for them to integrate back into society. And I was impressed because I'm almost 50 years old, and I still to this day have this thing like, you shouldn't interrupt this kind of a gathering because I'm not invited to this gathering. But Jarrell knew he wanted his voice heard, and he had a question. And this was his way of interjecting, of lifting up, of making his voice heard. I heard another voice this week. This was at a meeting that we had. For those of you who know Urban Village, you may know that we've been going through a change in how we structure our lay leadership. And we had the first meeting of some of our lay leaders on Tuesday. And as we were gathering and chatting about other things, a woman named Laura Bucco, who goes to our site, she is... Uh, oversees our worship ministries now in this new structure. And she was mentioning that she was now going to start volunteering for uh, a a ministry for the Methodist Church in Northern Illinois called Justice for Our Neighbors. They do work with uh, with immigrants uh, for those who have questions about their documentation. And Laura, by her own admission, said, I don't speak Spanish that well. And so she talked with another person from our site who is the volunteer coordinator for, coordinator for Justice for Our Neighbors. But she felt strongly about this and felt like this is something that she wanted to do. So she used her voice to say, I don't know if she literally said this, but to say, I will volunteer. Even though her Spanish is rusty and she's not exactly sure whether she will say or do the right thing, she spoke up. She said the words, I'm interested. I want to volunteer. That's how she used her voice this week. There are two extremes, whether we shout out Hosanna or whether 
one shouts out, let him be crucified. And then, of course, there are lots of things in between. I'd imagine that there's no one who would today say, oh, I would never have said, let him be crucified. But the question is, would you have been one to not say anything at all? How would you use your voice? And what words would you choose in speaking up? Now more than ever in our society, we need to let our voices be known. Whether we are shouting Hosanna, saying we are with the one who came against empire, and we are the ones who will speak up for those that Jesus is for, that we will use our voices in that way to make sure that all are heard. You have a voice, friends. You have your words. How will you use them? Let us use this Holy Week to reflect on that important, important question. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. I've been feeling a little under the weather, so if today's podcast wasn't quite as exuberant, perhaps, as others, uh, my apologies. But uh, I'll be back next week for the Easter podcast. And until then, you can always reach out to me, chris at urbanvillechurch.org, or on Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. Always happy to engage with you. So until next week, may the peace of Christ be with you. And thou my true